the, the aim or purpose of preaching and teaching the Bible should be to tell people what the Bible says and be sure that what you tell people is what the Bible actually does say. In 2 Timothy chapter 2, Paul's writing to young Timothy, who is a preacher and teacher of God's word. In uh, 2 Timothy chapter 4, Paul writes to him and says, I charge thee therefore before God and the Lord Jesus Christ, who shall judge the living and the dead at his appearing in his kingdom, preach the word. Be diligent in season and out of season. So the charge is for Timothy to preach the word in chapter 4. But in order for Timothy to preach the word, he must first know the word, which is the admonition of chapter 2, that he would prepare himself adequately so that he can indeed preach and teach the word of God. The key verse is verse 15 of chapter 2. Do your best to present yourself to God as one approved, a worker who has no need to be ashamed, rightly handling the word of truth. Or as the King James says, um, study to show thyself approved unto God, a workman that needs not to be ashamed, rightly dividing the word of truth. Sorry for the brain freeze, but uh, it's cold outside. All right. As we, as we think about 2 Timothy chapter 2, uh, in the book of Timothy, God's word is repeatedly referred to as, as truth. And it should be maintained as, as truth. So the ESV says, do your best to present yourself to God as one approved, a worker who has no need to be ashamed, rightly handling the word of truth. God's word is truth and must be presented truthfully. So the theme this morning is that we should work hard at presenting the word of God, the word of truth, truthfully. We begin by looking at verse 15 of chapter 2. And note that the aim of the preacher-teacher should be to correctly teach and apply the scriptures. That comes in the end of verse 15, the words rightly handling the word of truth. King James rightly dividing the word of truth. The NAS accurately handling the word of truth. And uh, NIV correctly handles the word of truth. So all of them very similar, but there's a, a unique imagery that's found in the original, and that is that basically what you're supposed to do is cut a straight path. Um, you are to follow a straight path through the Word of God, which has two connotations. Number one, that there would be no contradiction in the things that we say, nor in the way in which we understand Scripture. So we need to study the Scriptures so that they do not contradict themselves, nor do we contradict ourselves in what, in what we say. The second, and probably the most significant idea, is that we are not to wander from the path. We are not to 
find ourselves deviating from the path of Scripture either to the left or to the right. But we faithfully follow Scripture, if you will, in all that we do and all that we say. Later on, Paul is going to say, all Scripture is profitable for doctrine, for reproof, for correction, for instruction in righteousness, that the man of God may be perfect, thoroughly furnished unto every good work. Therefore, you see, we need to handle God's word in an appropriate fashion. That it's reproving, rebuking, exhorting, encouraging, and using all the passages of Scripture in the way in which God had intended them to be used. The Bible has been given to us in order to know and to convey truth. It is not given to us so that we can become an expert in Bible trivia or so that we can debate over doctrine. If you look at verse 14, it states, Remind them of these things. Charge them before God not to quarrel about words. Doctrine is extremely important. However, often doctrinal debates are not about truth, but rather people trying to show off their knowledge or their understanding. Such debates are not helpful. Notice verse 14. Remind them of these things, charge them before God not to quarrel about words. Now this word, which, has, which does no good, does not profit anyone does not build them up, but rather, it says in the end of verse 14, only ruins the hearers, ruins the hearers. One of the things that the word of God should do is edify a believer. The word edify means to build up. You think of an edifice, an edifice is a building. This is the exact opposite word. This is to tear down. This is to destroy. This is to weaken. So these arguments over the word of God do not build people up or edify them, but rather it weakens them in their faith and in their commitment to the scriptures. So the scriptures have not been given to us to argue over. They've been given to us to accept. Not for us to reject, but for us to submit to. Later, Paul is going to refer to in, in uh, chapter 3 of those that are ever learning but unable to come to a knowledge of the truth. People that study and study and study, but don't actually get to the place where they embrace and accept the truth. Paul goes on to say about those that are like Johnnies and Jambres, who in the days of Moses resisted the truth, men of corrupt and depraved minds. So there are people that resist the truth. There are people who reject the truth. We are to proclaim the truth, and not get into meaningless uh, quarrels with those that will not submit themselves to the word of God. In addition to those that um, reject the truth, there are those who unintentionally depart or wander from the truth. In 2 Timothy chapter 2, in verse uh, 18, it refers to those who have swerved from the truth, saying that the resurrection has already happened, 
They are upsetting the faith. Uh, if you notice prior to that, it talks about those in 2 Timothy chapter 2, starting at verse 16. But avoid irreverent babble, for it will lead people into more ungodliness, and their word will spread like gangrene, among whom are Hymenaeus and Philetus. There are people who engage in what is referred to as vain babble. That is pointless speculation. Uh, trying to determine what the word of God does not tell us. And that empty, meaningless speculation is not helpful. It says in verse 17 that their talk will spread like gangrene, spread like cancer, spread like a disease that corrupts. Then it uses the example of Hymenaeus and Philetus. These are people who are going to lead others astray. Notice verse 18, who has swerved from the truth. They have deviated from the truth. They are no longer walking the straight path. But they've wandered away from the truth to the point where it says in verse 18 that the resurrection has already happened. So they don't deny the resurrection, but they say that instead of being future to us, that it has already occurred. And as a result, it overthrows the faith of some. False teaching is just that. It is false. It is false because it stands in antithesis to the truth of God's word. God's word is true. Anything that departs from God's word is false. But the truth of God's word always builds up. Scripture is profitable. But falsehood, deviating from the word of God, is always destructive. It always tears down. It always is harmful to those that believe it, to those that accept it. So we ought to be very careful that when we present the truth, we present God's word truthfully. For it will prove to be of value, it will prove to be of benefit. It will be health and strength to the individual and health and strength to the church. But when people are taught false doctrine, it's destructive to their personal lives and it's destructive to the very nature of the church. Uh, people will not be conducting and living and believing as they should. So we are to be seeking to teach the truth of God truthfully. Secondly, the aim is to gain God's approval for accurately presenting his word. Notice verse 15. Do your best to present yourself to God as one approved. Noting the words here, to present yourself to God. One day, each one of us will have to give an account for every word that we have spoken in which we have said that God has said. Every 
instance in which we represent ourselves as speaking for God, we must give account that what we said is really what God has said. In 2 Timothy chapter 4, Paul writes, I charge you before God and the Lord Jesus Christ, who shall judge the living and the dead at his appearing in his kingdom. So this charge to preach this word comes in a recognition that we are accountable before God. When we are speaking, God is listening. And so whenever we speak for him, we must say what he said, we must say what is true. For we want to be approved by God. We should be presenting the scriptures not to impress others, nor should we tailor our message to what people want to hear. In chapter 4, Paul's going to talk about those that resist the truth, those that uh, close their ears to the truth of God's word, who give themselves unto fables, unto myths. Uh, there will come a time when people will not put up with sound doctrine, sound teaching, don't really want to know what God's word has to say. Paul says, preach the word and be diligent in season and out of season. Don't give in to what people want to hear. Tell them the truth. Tell them what the word of God has to say. The goal of preaching is not novelty. The goal of preaching and teaching is not entertainment. The goal of preaching and teaching is not to demonstrate one's own prowess and ability. The goal of preaching and teaching is simply to declare what God's word says and to be faithful to God's word in declaring what he says. It is simply to make the Bible known, to make the Bible understandable, not to rewrite it, not to reframe it, uh, but rather simply to explain it. And the more simply and the more clearly that you can explain God's word, the better you are at being a faithful preacher and teacher of the scriptures. We don't want to be ashamed when we stand before God and must give account, which is the opposite of being approved. Notice in verse 15, do your best to present yourself as God, as one approved, a worker who has no need to be ashamed. Here the shame is in not gaining God's approval, not having said what he declares in his word. That is shameful for us, and we should work hard so that we do not bring shame to ourselves by failing to teach the truth of God's word. So now let us look at the third, and the one that I'm going to spend the most time on this morning, and that is the aim is to work hard in knowing and understanding the scriptures so that we gain God's approval. Notice verse 15, the very first statement. Do your best. The King James says, study to show thyself approved unto God. The workman, in order to be not ashamed, but rather to be approved, must work hard. Must work hard. Do your best. Be 
diligent, study. There are those individuals whose job, if you will, or primary responsibility is to preach and teach the word of God. They are, in fact, workmen in this particular verse, in verse 15. A worker who does not need to be ashamed. There is a play on words here in this word study or do your best. It means to work hard. Work hard to present yourself to God as one approved. A worker that doesn't need to be ashamed. Work hard. When we think of the word study, I think in the King James, study to show yourself approved unto God, we think in terms of methodology. I've been encouraging you to read the Bible through in a year. Um, and so there are people that would like to make a distinction between reading the Bible and studying the Bible. Tonight I'm going to be talking about studying the scripture. I'm going to use Ezra 7, 9, and 10. For Ezra had prepared his heart to seek the law of the Lord, to do it and teach in Israel statutes and ordinances. I'm going to unpack that passage tonight and talk about methodology. This verse is not talking about methodology. It's not talking about how to go about it. It's talking about the energy required. It's talking about the due diligence. It's talking about the sweat. It's talking about the work that needs to be done. You are supposed to work hard as a worker. Be zealous. Be eager. Take pains. Make every effort. Be diligent. Again, not talking about methodology, but rather talking about the effort put forth. It requires a great deal of effort in order to master the scriptures. A thorough knowledge of the scriptures does not come easily. Does not come easily. And here is a very important lesson for all of us to understand, not just those that are formal preachers and teachers of God's word. If we really want to know what the Bible says, it takes work. It takes effort. It requires time. I've been encouraging you to read the Bible through in a year. I said to you last week that I view that as kind of a minimum diet, 1,200 calories, in order to try to stay spiritually healthy and strong. But you're really not going to master the scriptures in reading them through 15 minutes a day. Uh, it takes time. It takes effort. It takes work. Okay? Um, I try to be careful in the th things that I make personal reference to. But we're in the book of 2 Timothy. In order to, to, uh, to study and to know what's in the book of 2 Timothy, last year I read 2 Timothy through more than 200 times in one reading. Uh, straight through from the beginning to end. I did that on uh, well over 200 occasions. I'm still doing that in order to try to understand its significance and to uh, appreciate how the whole thing fits together. It takes time and it takes effort. I don't know. 
Have you ever read for eight hours in a day? Eight hours a day. The Bible says that uh, much study is a weariness of the flesh. I will guarantee you that if you read eight hours straight, you're going to be tired at the end of those eight hours. It takes discipline. It takes work. It takes effort if you are going to master the word of God. So it requires time, it requires energy, and it requires discipline. Why do I say that? Because there are so many misconceptions about reading the scriptures. Okay. Uh, one of the misconceptions is that reading the scripture should always be enjoyable. Now, granted, the scripture is the word of God. And so we should prize the word of God. We should value the word of God. But even if we prize it and even if you value it, at times it becomes tedious. There are portions of God's word that aren't as exciting as other portions of God's word. There are ways of study that is difficult. Uh, it requires some, some perseverance. I hope you love your job. I hope that everyone, when you wake up in the morning, look forward to going to work. And I mean that sincerely. I'm not being smart. But even if you enjoy your job, there are times in which your job is frustrating. There are times I'm sure that you'd rather be at home. There are certain aspects of your job that you wish you didn't have to do. Okay? Reading God's word is a privilege and it's a joy, but it's also laborious. And there are times that we don't feel like doing it, but you do it anyway. Okay? That's where the discipline comes in. And we shouldn't feel like, well, there's something wrong with me if I'm not really enjoying reading the scriptures, therefore I'm going to wait till I enjoy it and I'm not going to be a hypocrite. Well, you're not being a hypocrite unless you say, I enjoy every minute I read the scriptures. But we're disciplined and we do things that we don't particularly feel like at the moment, but realize that it has value, it pays off in the end pays off in the end. So we give ourselves to the scripture. We work hard in doing so. As we look at this passage, if you look at verse 16, it says, but avoid irreverent babble, for it will lead into more and more ungodliness. Their word will spread like gangrene. Irreverent babble. Babble here is that which is meaningless, pointless, that which is speculative in nature. It is referred to as irreverent because, and some translate this as godless, because it doesn't, people don't handle the Bible with the respect that it deserves. The Bible is God's word. All scriptures given by the inspiration of God. The Bible is God's word. When we're declaring the scriptures, we are declaring what God has said. We have no right to alter what God says. We don't have the authority 
to, in the name of God, declare anything other than what he has said. So we need to work hard so that we know what it says. And we really deceive ourselves. I think that many of us really overestimate our knowledge of the scriptures. I mean, even if we have read the scripture through many, many times, it's easy to think, well, I know what the Bible says because we know a handful of stories. But I would encourage you sometime just to stop and think, okay? Give yourself a little test. Okay. Do you know the books of the Old Testament? I hope you do. But do you know what's in the books of the Old Testament? Do you know what's in the book of Hosea? Do you know what's in the book of Joel? Do you know how many chapters it has? Can you think through what Joel is all about? What it's addressing? Okay. I submit to you there are whole books of the Bible that most likely we don't even know what it says. So how in the world can we know if something we're saying here is contradicting what Joel says if, we, if we're clueless as to what it says? It's one of the reasons I encourage you to continue to read the Bible through year after year after year to give, get a, a familiarity with the whole Bible. People treat the Bible like it's a group of short stories that are independent of each other. I love short stories. I was a big Somerset Mom fan years ago and I read all the Somerset mom short stories. They're self-contained. That's not the word of God. These are not individualistic stories, but they're, they're a part of a bigger picture. And we need to know the, the big picture if we're going to accurately handle the word of God. There's a lesson for all of us in this, even if your job is not to preach or teach the Bible. I certainly don't expect... People whose responsibility is not to preach or teach the Bible to have the same understanding that someone who has that responsibility does. But, having said that, everyone in this room that names the name of Christ in some way preaches and teaches the Bible. Okay? You are sharing with your children you are sharing with your grandchildren. You are teaching Sunday school. You're teaching good news clubs. You are telling people what the Bible says. If you're witnessing, you are speaking for God. You're saying this is what the Bible says. And every one of us is going to give account for that. And we really want to be teaching accurately. Accurately. Not just to adults but to children. I can't tell you how important it is to teach children accurately the word of God. For there are many people that grow up and find out that what they were taught as a child is not what the Bible says. And they have to relearn all the things that they were taught as a child. They were misled. Perhaps ignorantly. Uh, perhaps with the best of intentions, that people weren't out to deceive, uh, they weren't out to uh, undermine, there are those that are, 
But there are a lot of good-intentioned, good-willed people that speak out of ignorance and as a result don't speak the truth. They think what they think. They think the way it ought to be. They proclaim that this is what God's Word says based on a verse or two here or there, but really don't understand and know the full dimension of the Word of God. You're accountable. You're accountable. And you don't want to undermine. You, you don't want to unroot. You, you don't want to be in a place where you have to learn over the things that you learned as a child. So we want to be very, very careful in our teaching children the Word of God. That requires time, it requires effort, and requires diligence. We must respect the Bible as the Word of God. Can't say that enough. I, I don't know how to communicate that in a better way. Because it's something that we all give lip service to. But yet, I don't think it sets in well enough, and I'm not just saying that to you, I'm saying that to me too, that if, if we really understood and grabbed hold to the idea that the Bible is God's word, you know, I, I think we'd want to devour it. I, I think we'd want to hear from God. You know, if, if somebody said that this afternoon there's going to be a place where God is going to appear and he's going to speak, that probably most of us would make an every effort to get there this afternoon, to be able to hear God speak. Well, God speaks through his word. And this passage is teaching us that our responsibility is to share with others what God has said so that they would know what God has said. And that's our duty, to share with others what God has said and be sure that what we say God said, he says. That we don't change it, we don't wander from it, we don't neglect it. We do not have the right to replace God's words with our words. We'll be accountable for everything we say that God's word says. So we want to work hard at knowing the word of God. Tonight, I'm going to give you some hopefully helpful, practical tips on studying the scripture, how we can get to know the Bible better, more thoroughly, more accurately. Uh, so I encourage you to come back tonight as a follow-up on this message on uh, the how-tos. This was the importance of simply taking the initiative of realizing that it requires work. Uh, everybody wants five easy steps. Okay? There's no five easy steps in mastering the scriptures. There's no simple way. There's, there's no way just to make understanding the Bible fun. That doesn't mean we have to try to make the Bible difficult. I'm just saying to you that if you are going to master this book, it takes time, it takes energy, and it takes discipline. And we need to be committed in all three of those ways. Let's pray. Our Father, we thank you for your word. We thank you for the privilege which is ours to share your word. Now, Lord, we realize that there is a day of accounting. 
uh, that we are going to be accountable for every word that we have said that we claim that you have said. Oh, Lord, at that time, we don't want to be ashamed. Uh, we don't want to bow our head uh, and have to acknowledge that often what we have declared is not what you have said. The advice we give others, the, the counsel that we give, the instruction that we impart, uh, the lessons that we, we give, the conversations that we have. Uh, Lord, help us to be faithful to your word. For, Lord, there's so much that around us, so many thoughts that are antithetical to your word. There is so much indifference to your word. Uh, there is so much to discourage us from maintaining and holding your word. So, Lord, guard our hearts. And may we give ourselves to understanding your word so that we can declare it truthfully. For it's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen.